It is an alliterative, descriptive nickname that rolls off the tongue. Look at the nasty nut rumble. Tell me that does not just just flow like honey off of the tongue, and it's funny. Welcome into the Hot Read Podcast for Wednesday, August the 31st. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, director of published content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network, and you can follow me on social media at Easton Freeze. I'm joined, as always, by producer JT, who you can follow on social media at JT underscore Runky. JT, did I say Wednesday to start the show? Great start. It's a Thursday. We're recording on Thursday. Happy Thursday. This is for Friday. Uh, what September 1st is tomorrow September 1st JT are we on to September I believe we are it's football month baby all right didn't even realize it till we got here but welcome in JT how are you I'm good it's been it's been a weird day both of us just casually spreading misinformation uh, on the internet this <laughs> morning say the right thing today to um, save our lives and now and now we don't even know what day it is so once no, again it's, it's a it's a fun day but you know we're getting through it it's a good day, and it's a fun day because we're going to be talking Titans a little bit today. we got some news to get to, but all of that comes second. If those of you that are listening live with us were with us on Wednesday's episode, on Tuesday's live recording, we teased a big announcement that we finally get to make today, something that's been in the works for about a month now and is going to impact this show for the entire 2023 NFL season. JT, we have a new sponsor here on the Hot Read Podcast for the 2023 NFL season. And that sponsor is Boomba's Pizza and Tap House, a fantastic eatery and a new location, new to us at least. Uh, they have three Middle Tennessee locations, Boomba's does. Our location is in Spring Hill, just a short drive down I-65 from downtown Nashville. And they also have an East Nashville location, a Murfreesboro location, as well as multiple stores in Kentucky and Indiana for all of our out-of-town listeners. And if you're thinking, wow, never heard of this place before. What a random sports bar. That's the same thing we thought, JT, when they reached out to us. But we we're like, you know, let's let's check them out. Let's see what's going on. We met Matthew over at the Spring Hill Boomba's location, got acquainted with what Boomba's is. And guys, we've all been we've been missing out on like, I don't know where where Boomba's was in my life, but I'm glad that it is in my life now. And I'm so glad that we now get to spread the good news of Boomba's Crafts Pizza and Tap House, because genuinely, I cannot tell you how blown away both JT and I were by this place by the food that they have there they are absolutely not your typical pizza sports bar get this JT they are the only pizza company in the country to have won best pizza in America twice in the international pizza championships didn't even know we were doing international pizza championships but I mean in the pizza community in the whole world they're competing and this place has won best pizza Two times only store to be able to say that other awards to their name at the International Pizza Expo in Las Vegas, winner of best vegetarian pizza, winner of best gourmet pizza, winner of best international pizza, winner of best non-traditional pizza. This place truly has it all great pizza from plain pepperoni to the most unique and delicious gourmet pizza you've ever tried. They've got delicious wings and appetizers. Uh, a couple dozen beers on tap, including a variety of local brews that are delicious. And we can't wait to taste test every week when we are there at Boomba's on location. And it is a sports bar, JT. So there are televisions plastered all over the place. So you don't miss any of the games. 
We're going to be doing our Thursday shows live from Boom Buzz in Spring Hill here in Middle Tennessee every single Thursday, all season long. We'll be recording our shows before Thursday Night Football, uh, previewing the Titans game, as we always do on our Thursday and Friday show, um, looking at the NFL weekend ahead, and then running down our best bet gauntlet live from the Boom Buzz location in Spring Hill. And then we're staying after, right after the show will be Thursday Night Football. We're going to stay, hang out, grab a, grab a delicious bite to eat, grab a nice brewski, kick back and watch Thursday Night Football with whoever decides to stop by. We'll be spending our Thursday night viewing experiences at Boomba's Pizza in Spring Hill. So, guys, you need to, if, if you live in the area, make this a regular occurrence for you. Come join us and hang out on Thursday nights at Boomba's in Spring Hill. But even if you can't come on a regular basis, you need to plan one Thursday night this year. Like, you're coming on down to Spring Hill, straight down I-65 if you live in the area. Very easy, right off the interstate. Delicious food, delicious drinks, and a fantastic time hanging out with us and watching Thursday Night Football um, that, that is the move this year. And JT, I, I know I am stoked about this. We're just really excited. This place rocks. Yeah, I'm super excited. Um, especially to be doing the live show every single week, get to meet a lot of you guys out there. Um, finally just get to meet in the, in the, um, area. Super excited. Like this place is awesome. We've now gotten to try the food twice and like, yes. it's so good. Um, so I'm super excited. Hope you guys join us out there for that super excited to be partnered with them now. Yeah, it's going to be a ton of fun. So every Thursday until the Super Bowl, we'll be there and we would love to have you all come out and join us if you can if you're a local um fan of the show. All right, with that, and we're going to be talking more and more about Boombas for the rest of the year. So we'll, we'll we'll step off of that soapbox for now and get back to Titans football. JT kind of a lighter day today. We're going to get into some news in a bit, but first I have some roster cut down reactions to get into. And uh, before I do that real quick, those of you that are listening live with us, if you wouldn't mind heading on over to YouTube, the Broadway sports media's YouTube page is where you're going to want to find the live stream so that you can be a part of the conversation today, like diesel and Marcus and Logan all in the comments already. As Logan says, that's what we thought when we found your pot at first, who are these fools and look where we are now. Absolutely. That is the same deal with us and Boombas. And I promise if you try Boombas, it's going to rock your world. We want you to be a part of the conversation. So head on over to YouTube and find the Broadway Sports Media page where this live stream is located, and you can join the comment section there. Also, if you're listening live, do us a favor. Send this link to a buddy. Send it to a friend. Send it to a family member. Like this post. Retweet this post. Comment on this post. However, you can help us with interactions on this live stream to get as many eyeballs in here as possible would be considered a personal favor. So thank you in advance for doing that. All right, JT. Some roster cut down reactions from today. I was at Titans HQ. Was that practice today? We spoke to the Titans GM, Rand Carthon. We spent spoke to the Titans head coach, Mike Vrabel, and we got access to the locker room and spoke to uh, a number of the players that had made the 53-man roster and the practice squad, as well as got to see a little bit of the practice today. And I just wanted to basically, I went on a fact-finding mission and brought back as much information from this morning and this afternoon that I possibly can to share with you, our dear listeners, so let me run through all of that real quick, and uh, we can discuss along the way what we think about these things. But we spoke to Rand Carthen first this morning, and we asked him about how every single member of his rookie draft class, all six guys that he drafted his first draft class as an NFL GM, ended up making the final 53-man roster. And he was clear 
that they all earned their spot. Nothing was given. So I, I saw some people on social media saying this classic GMs, their hubris wanting to prove that a, a player, you know, was a, was a reasonable pick by adding them to the roster and inflating their sense of worth. Like I, I don't think that's the case. None of these players were expected to be out and got in. I think by any of us that were predicting 53 men rosters, if, if any, maybe Colton Dowell, but he's that seventh round. And with the seventh round pick, you know, it's kind of a coin flip and he gets in uh, not because he, not to say he's not a good player and deserves to be on the team. But I think that we can all agree that if, if Kyle Phillips was healthy and ready to go, his chances of being on the team were probably significantly diminished um, because we talked to the coaches today about how, like, why'd you keep seven receivers? And they're like, we kept six receivers because one of them is going to IR. Like that's kind of the whole point of him getting in and not being on the bubble there. Um, he also pointed out that the Titans are still in talks with former Bears pass rusher Travis Gibson, who we'll talk about in the news section some more today. But Travis is a guy that the Titans have added to their pass rush rotation. And folks saw that news this morning that they're still in talks, wondering if that's not going to go through. It is. He was there in the locker room. He was suiting up for practice. Like they're just they're still nailing down the uh, the the contract. And I believe we just got word as the show began today that they have officially added him to the 53 man roster. So um, nothing to worry about there. We asked him about Nick Folk, the Titans new kicker that he traded a 2025 seventh round pick to new England for asked him about what he thought about his ability. He said he's a veteran made a lot of kicks in his career. If they aren't going to be getting touchbacks, there are 10 other guys on the field whose job it is to tackle. So, you know, as we talked about Nick Folk, very, very good kicker, but not the greatest kick offer. Um, his, his kickoff acumen in terms of getting the ball all the way into the end zone for a touchback, very low rate, um, as compared to the, the field of his peers. And so something that is of concern, but they do have a new guy in Cade York. Who's got a massive leg and can kick off if they need him to come up and be a, a, it wouldn't shock me if maybe they bring him up to be your kickoff specialist. If they're having troubles with, with, um, Nick Folk and he just does kickoff kickoffs and gets it out on out the back of the end zone. And, and that's not an issue. Um, we asked him about, you know, the process on cut down day, having to deliver good news and bad news. And he said on, on having to deliver bad news that it never gets easy. It, 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 it never is going to get easy. He said, if it ever does get easy for me, I'm going to need to check myself and that they just try to take a very human approach to it all and make sure that the guys they do have to part ways with know that they're uh, willing to do whatever they can to help them and, and, and further their career. But he also said that they called some of the guys that had made it, called them into the office to, to just let them know that they had made it, let them know that now is not the time to relax. Now is the time to double down. And, um, you know, being on the 53-man roster is different than staying on the 53-man roster and talk to some of these younger guys, especially the ones that just barely made it, about the things they need to be doing in order to stay on the 53-man roster and and uh, not slip um, slip up based on wh what they have done so far this month as a Tennessee Titan. But they said that they didn't give the, the guys they called in for good news any indication that they were getting good news. And on cut down day, you know, you really only you're, you're just hoping you don't get a call typically, because if you don't get a call, you're still on like you're still on the team. Your contract has not been ripped up and thrown away. Um, and so I'd imagine for some of those guys, especially the ones that didn't know whether or not they'd be on the team or not, that call was nerve wracking. That drive to the facility was nerve wracking going in. I mean, he, he just said that they let some guys know that Rand and Mike needed to speak to them. Can they please come to the facility? Sounds, sounds a little bit scary, but then that, that sigh of relief when they're like, we just wanted to let you know that you are making the team. I'm sure that that was a, a nice feeling for them. Um, 
Rand also said that they've not had any discussions about extending veterans nearing the end of their contract beyond this year. Did mention that they have some guys definitely earmarked to hopefully keep around for a long time, but he wants to see the guys play this year and to earn it. And I think that's the right thing to do for this team, for this GM, a new GM with a team that is in a transitional period in their team building process is in a year where they've got a lot of expiring contracts at the end of the year that will allow them if they decide to take a different, you know, different tack. Um, they, they can, they can offload a lot of older, more burdensome contracts, get younger as a team, have a lot of space to maneuver and be flexible in that way. And so that, that is the right way, in my opinion, to approach this. You don't want to tie yourself up any further beyond this year than you need to, especially since it has been kind of set up partially by Rand Carthen, partially by John Robinson for a lot of these guys to, you know, Derek Henry off the books after this year, Ryan Tannehill off the books after this year, if you'd like, I believe there's an out for Kevin Byard after this year, if you'd like, um, you've got a lot of contracts that look like that. And that's the way you should keep it. Not to, not to say that you aren't going to keep some of these guys around, but you just keep your options available to you. I think is the right way to approach that. Um, we asked him about DeAndre Hopkins, and he said Hop's been great. He's been great. He's a worker. Uh, it's a joy to have him around. Said that he's pretty sure when he first got here that some of the younger guys were making him feel like an old head, seeing him in the hallways, you know, t- elbowing their buddy and being like, you know, I used to, I grew up watching this guy, making him feel old. But he has really enveloped himself in the culture, enveloped himself in the the um, wide receiver room and, and the offense and the team as a whole. And they've embraced him, and he's embraced them. And so he's happy with the way that that has been going. We asked him about Ryan Tannehill handling the two young quarterbacks behind him. And, and he said that Ryan is a consummate pro. Uh, I'm sure Ryan is not focused on who we drafted this year or last year. Ryan is focused on doing what he can to make us the best football team this year, which is the correct answer and truly is, in my experience in the last two years, the way that Ryan handles himself. So that's not shocking at all. Um, before we move on to to Mike Vrabel, any comments, JT, on, on our comments from Ryan Carthen? Um, not a lot, just like Logan brings up a point that has been talked about a lot this week that I feel like we really didn't cover. Like can stone punter, AKA Ryan Stonehouse, not be a kickoff specialist. I feel like we've, we've touched on that, but like just not what they want to do with him. I feel like he, he, he's a good punter. Let him just punt. You know, I feel like that's their sentiment sentiment as well. Well, yeah. And I think that, I mean, they, they have, they have said explicitly, Mike Frabel has said explicitly, that's not an option for us. Like we, we just, he, he has not done that since high school. I believe that that's one way or another. He is confident. That's not something that they can do. They would, if they could trust me, but that's not, um, I don't think that's, that's something that he can do. Sometimes guys just, you know, a punter and a place kicker, Sometimes guys that are punters just cannot place kick to save them save their lives. And sometimes guys that can place kick cannot punt to save their lives. So that's not surprising. So moving on to some comments from Mike Vrabel. We asked him about Nick Folk, the new kicker. He kind of downplayed the kickoffs as an issue for him, which is not shocking from Mike Vrabel. Um, but it like it is. You can downplay it all you want. It is in fact an issue there. It, it, it is a concern. His his touchback rate last year, unless the the Patriots were just telling him not to kick it up back of the end zone, which not you know, it doesn't make any sense. Not a thing. I don't think. Um, but he also said that bringing in Cade was a good opportunity for for them to allow him to develop and see what he can do. Just kind of give him some space to develop. And he made clear that Nick is their kicker, but having Cade around is is I think good for the future health of this team and uh, potentially having a, a steal of a guy that he was drafted in the third or fourth round, I believe, by Cleveland just a year ago. So he's a he was a guy that in college was a stud, and and they're hoping they can get him back on track in that way. 
Um, I asked him about keeping just three tight ends on the roster, on the initial 53-man roster. I, I kind of I set up the question because I've had so many people in the last 48 hours, JT, mention to me or disagree with me on the idea that, well, the Titans are keeping seven receivers and three tight ends because that's indicative of this new age offense. They're moving into a more modern spread pass happy offense. They don't need a lot of two tight end sets. It's going to be a lot of 11 personnel. Let's rock and roll. I've been saying pump the brakes on that. I don't think that's the case. I think that the, the, the numbers involved with the skill position rooms on the uh, initial 53 man roster has much more to do with the injury situation of Traylon Burks and to a much larger extent, Kyle Phillips and much less to do with the way that this team is going to operate again, their, their own personnel depth chart that they have put out for us, the unofficial depth chart before, and we'll get an, an official depth chart next week in week one. It's in 12 personnel. It involves two tight ends on the field. So having just three, I think is a concern. Now what it does do, is like it, it 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 tells us that they are more confident i think in those three guys blocking ability than maybe they have let on and certainly than than we than we are as fans and as media like Chigakonkwo and Josh Wiley Josh Wiley in particular i think that is very telling he as your third tight end you must have more faith in him as a blocker than than we are giving him credit for whether that is warranted or not will bear itself out as we get into some real football but you got to have blocking tight ends in this scheme and for this offense and for this offensive line. And, you know, we know that Wesco is going to be one of those guys. Chig or Josh are going to have to be one of those other guys, and we'll see what they can do in that capacity. But um, so I, I kind of set up the question intentionally asking, you know, is is this indicative of your new offense looking different than what it has been in the past and, and being, you know, demanding a different set of personnel? I was intentionally asking that not because I thought that is the case, but because of the opposite, I think that's not the case. So I was kind of lobbing him up a softball for him to spike down. Like I wanted him to, you know, give us a definitive answer on that specific query on that specific question. And he said that, uh, you know, it, it, he, he and Rand just try to look at each guy and think about who their backup will be. And that he kind of feels that's just how the roster fell this year. Um, he wants to have those those replacements available, like like on the practice squad, for example. So today it's three guys, he said, next week or down the road this season. That could change. Really alluded to the idea that this is not a permanent fixture by any means. And that, yes, they're confident in those three guys, but having more tight ends as a part of the mix is is something that they are keeping front of mind and may very well be a part of their near future. He also then went on to really emphasize how vital turnovers are in the game of football, said that they continue to work with Malik to better protect the ball as he continues to show improvement in other areas. Says so there's been a lot of great for Malik, a lot of great positive things this season as he's developed, but he knows he has to be a better protector of the football. Then he went on to talk about Monty Rice and very vague. And this situation is vague and strange, and it has been vague and strange for two or three weeks now, JT. We asked him about Rice, who's now returning to practice and, and like how he's doing, what he dealt with. And he gave this super weird, vague answer. He just said that he came back. Monty said Monty came back when he was healthy. And we asked him if he, you know, if he's had to deal with something in his back from that now. And he answered something, something along the lines of, well, in this particular instance, yes. Uh, it just the whole, 
the whole answer, which I wish I had verbatim. I didn't, I didn't write down verbatim in the moment. It was strange JT. And we heard from Monty in the locker room on Monday. I think it was our buddy, Nick Suss from the Tennessean asked him, you know, like what's been going on with you. And he just said life, man, life, which either is a very like strange way of answering or of like an all time evasive answer. You know, sometimes you get just, you don't want to talk about your injuries. You're just like, Dealing with life, man, you know, just whatever life throws at you. I didn't really know at the time which of those two ways to take it. It sounds like he may have actually been dealing with something in life, but also been injured. And he kind of alluded to maybe not being injured on Monday in the in the locker room, but didn't explicitly say he wasn't. But then today at the podium, Mike Vrabel was explicitly saying he was. And when questioned, you know, like, well, Monty kind of alluded to maybe not being injured. And, and Mike was like, kind of caught off guard by that comment and was just like, you know, I'll, whatever Monty says for himself, I'm going to let him speak for himself. But Monty is it, it can't, Monty. When Monty came back, it was because he was healthy, which was all he reiterated. So weird. I don't know who's lying or kind of obfuscating the truth. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Monty Rice is, is the weirdest, biggest red flag situation on this team right now for my money. Something that we probably need to consider, like keep an eye on as we consider the future of this team and as we move forward. So that was very strange. Um, let's talk about Corey Levin, JT. Walked into the Titans locker room, and as I walked in, walking down the hall and around the corner and in with me was Corey Levin, offensive lineman for the Titans that was cut yesterday. We thought maybe it was a procedural situation as he may have been cut because I don't think Kyle Phillips, I actually, I know now that Kyle Phillips. I, I'm, I said I don't think. I'm not trying to lie to people, but there's certain things we know that we can't say yet. I now know I can say this. Kyle Phillips' IR transaction did not process until the end of the day yesterday or until today. And so in order to make room for um, some guys yesterday, they had to cut um, Corey Levin. But I do think it was a procedural thing because as of today, he's been added back to the active roster was there when we walked in. I'm like, Corey, you know, like what's going on? Are you signing back with the team? And he just smiled and said, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> um, and then he started putting on his cleats and Jersey for practice. So like, yes, um, we now know that the Titans have just recently announced that he is officially back on the active roster. And then during practice, Teron Davenport reported that offensive line, Justin Murray had been released from the Titans squad. Um, which let me, let me just run down this this list, this flurry of roster moves the Titans made about 20 or 30 minutes ago. And then I want to discuss what this is telling us about where they see their offensive line right now, kind of the inside baseball on it all. So the Titans, as of this afternoon, have officially made the following transactions. Edge Travis Gibson from Chicago has been added to the active roster. Offensive lineman Corey Levin has been added back to the active roster after being cut yesterday. Wide receiver Kyle Phillips, as expected, placed on IR for at least the first four games of the season. Offensive lineman Justin Murray has been released from the active roster. Kicker Cade York officially signed to the practice squad and to make room for him. Outside linebacker Sam uh, Aquanu released from the practice squad. And so all of that, in addition to the fact that Dylan Raidens is now off of PUP, I, I came away like I was driving my car back from practice, kind of thinking, you know, what are my takeaways from today, JT? And the number one piece of ana Titans analysis insight that I can give today, because it's a lot of just information for me, not a lot of opinion. This is the opinion um, that, that I want to share that I, I, I feel confident about and I think makes a lot of sense. This Titans team pretty clearly is telegraphing to us that they're really confident 
that Dylan Radens is going to be ready soon, like soon, soon. I don't know about week one soon, but here's the deal. He was on the pup list, right? He was on the physically unable, unable to perform list all camp long. And then right before cutdown day, like what, 48, 72 hours before cutdown day, they bring him off the pup list and add him to the active 90 man squad. Then they make him a part of the 53 man roster, obviously, but they could have just left him on the pup list. And we talked about this on the, on the past couple episodes. And my answer was basically, I don't know. I don't know why they did this. I would expect he's not ready soon. I've changed my mind. I, I think I was wrong. I think that he he's going to be ready soon because there is simply no reason that I can see now for them to have taken him off the pup list if they weren't thinking he might be ready to contribute in the first four weeks. JT, if you're on the pup list like Caleb Farley is, for example, that means this year, I think this is new this year, you it's it's a lot like IR mandatory to start the year. So if you cannot, if you, if you start the season on the pup list, you don't count against the 53-man roster, but you also do not um, do not qualify to be able to play. You're not eligible to play in at least the first four games of the year. And so if you didn't think he was going to be ready before then, there was no reason to take him off the pup list and take up a roster spot. Kind of bolstering that opinion and that, that assumption is the fact that they cut arguably, I would argue definitively the second best swing tackle option on this team and replaced him with Corey Levin today, your swing interior offensive lineman, a very good lineman, but not a tackle, right? And now you've got Jalen Duncan and Xavier Newman Johnson are, are the two presumed healthy tackles in line behind starter right tackle Chris Hubbard and, of course, left tackle Andre Dillard. Like, that's concerning unless, again, Dylan Radens is your new, is your current swing tackle. And, and frankly, JT, like we saw at the end of last year, he started to find some rhythm. We saw him come in in the LA game, the Chargers game where he tore his ACL in mid-December last year. He looked really good in the couple of um, snaps that he got before going down in that game with that ACL injury. He he was going from, in the eyes of many, like bona fide bust, waste of a draft pick to maybe finally finding a stride as a swing tackle, maybe even a starting tackle one day. We'll see. Well, I, I kind of think that they may... Th JT, I'm at the point where I'm not sure that Chris Hubbard has the first six weeks until until um, uh, uh, totally blank. Thank you. NPF. I've totally blocked it from my brain at this point until MPF comes back. You may see Dylan Radens get that right tackle job over Chris Hubbard as soon as he's healthy within those first six weeks. And if he's any good based on what we saw from MPF in the preseason, he may just have the job. Like we may see a, a season in which Dylan Raiden's coming off of an ACL, ACL injury is the Titans' new starting right tackle. Is this crazy? I kind of think this all tracks. It does. It's just like it's it's pretty interesting that like that he is kind of back. We we kind of said like on literally the last show, it'd be kind of a miracle if like week one Dylan Raiden's is like back and totally healthy and like because he did. It's it it, it has been only. 250 days give or take that um since dylan radens tore his acl so like no it isn't crazy i do still think that like chris hubbard probably gets like the first or second like week to truly start at the right tackle position and kind of use dylan radens to get him back into that action like the the thing i think you want to caution is like just throwing dylan radens back into there like to start 
on the fir- in the first or second week and then like potentially do something against that knee. But as that swing tackle early in the season here, like I don't think it'd be crazy to give him a few snaps here or there and kind of just slowly ease him back in if he truly is ready to come back. Well, and Logan asks in the comments here, let's say Raiden's is tackle three. Why the sudden jump? He seemed to be in the doghouse, and then now they like him, especially after an injury. I don't, I, I, Logan, I think that you're forgetting what the narrative on him was as we approached the mid to end point of last season. Remember, the Titans offensive line coach and Mike Vrabel continued to push, no, we've got to keep this guy, Dennis Daly, in the left tackle. We're not going to try Dylan Raiden's over there. We're not going to try it. We're not going to try it. And then they finally did. And he looked good and folks were like, yes, awesome. Like he's a replacement level tackle. Maybe he's developed in like he's been practicing behind the scenes all of last year. We perceived him to be in the doghouse because they wouldn't start him over Dennis Daly. We're like, we must, he must suck. No, like I think that he was better than Dennis Daly and they were just being boneheaded about it. Like that was the conclusion we came to and they put him in there and then he got a really unfortunate sudden injury. And so um, I, I don't think he's in the doghouse by any means. I don't think he has been since the injury. And and in Vrabel said himself today, we asked him, by the way, I forgot to mention this. We asked him about Raidens, and he said that Raidens has been coming to him basically all month, being like, Coach, I'm ready. Coach, I'm ready. Like, let's do it. Let's do it. And you know, the medicals, like they're still like, let's wait, hang on, we'll be soon. And then now he's back. And, and I went back and looked at the exact date, by the way. I think it was December 16th they played last year. Uh, the Chargers when he when he's when he tours ACL. So it, it, right now, as of right now, it's been like right at eight and a half months ish since that ACL injury, which is an, like you look at the the charts on when guys return. I think that the the, the mean return time is like nine point seven five months, give or take a month and a half. So right around ten months, give or take a month and a half. So that's not like this is the very front end of that return window for most guys based on the injury analytics. But by week one, that'll be almost nine months, right? And, you know, so by week three, for example, almost 10 months. So nine and a half, right over nine and a half months doing my math in my head. So, yeah, like that that's that's not crazy to think that he could. And he's a young, you know, he's a very young guy in terms of NFL tread on his tires. Fresh legs, like not played a lot of NFL snaps, didn't play a ton of snaps. I don't believe in college like he, he wasn't he wasn't super old coming out. So. All of this points to maybe he's just returning soon. And like if it was a very clean ACL tear and or a very clean recovery, like the surgery, the the the, the grafted um, tendon took well, like sometimes it's just bodies are different. Recoveries are different. And, and, and also, this is not him trying to take over a job for like a, a league median tackle. This is taking over for 32 year old Chris Hubbard, who like we're not not to say that Chris is for sure going to be a disaster, but more likely than not, he's a liability. Like, is that crazy to say? He brought in off the streets for no, no money, essentially. He, he's 32 years old. He's not played much football at all in the last two years. And what he has played has been sub-50 PFF grades, which is very, very bad. I don't think it's crazy to think that they think maybe he's the guy and comes back and, and is is uh, serviceable in that way. And, and again, he, he may be he's got a great opportunity for himself if that's the case, because it won't be that hard for him to take over that right tackle job for the six weeks that MPF is out. And then if he looks good, he may just take MPF's job and MPF may, may have screwed himself over royally and be a swing tackle now and lost his starting position on a team. So all of that is the most interesting thing from today and something that we definitely needed to discuss. Um, one more thing, I have some more notes from practice that I want to discuss. Um, but one thing I, I've been saying that I was wrong about that I need to make a correction about 
really more of a clarification than a correction, but a correction as well. Um, with Thomas Odakoya, our, our one of our favorite tight ends from this Titans team that didn't make the final 53, thought for sure that he would, was shocked that he didn't. He is kept on functionally on the practice squad, but in that international pathway, player pathway program exemption spot. Um, and so he gets to count as a 17th practice squad player. He doesn't count against the 16 on your practice squad. The, the thing that uh, I believe Paul Kaharski wrote about this, and he did, you know, good on him for getting to the bottom of this because I was curious if there were any interesting rules regarding that international spot. From what I understood from what he wrote, the Titans would have to move him from the international spot to the practice squad in order to then call him up and, and to call him onto the 53 man roster. He would have to, they would have to forfeit that international exemption for him. So he would no longer be, you wouldn't be able to put him back down as a 17th guy like that. Once he's out, he's out and in his career, they've not had him on the 53. So he gets to stay in that slot, but once he's out, he's out and you, you got to put him on the practice squad. I also think, and I wish I could, I wish I'd looked this up before. Um, go, go read the paulkaharski.com article on this for clarification. If you're curious, but I think he also said there's a, there's a period in which if you're going to move him on out of that international spot into the practice squad spot, there's then like an incubation period where he can't be moved up. Like he has to do two or three weeks on the practice squad before he can then be moved up to the active roster. So I don't think you can do that like that. You can't take him straight from the international spot to the 53. You, there's a waiting period. So uh, I'll, I'll get clarification on that, but certainly something that is important to, to note. And maybe, you know, if we see in week one or week two, Kevin Rader get called up to be a fourth tight end instead of Thomas Otakoya. That's why I think. Okay. Um, any any more comments before I move on, JT? Um, not really. Just Diesel saying, finally, play Raidens at tackle. And if he flourishes, laying great foundation for Skaronsky in future years. Um, also, yeah. Music Malik. Just and we, did see, we saw him get right tackle work today, by the way. In the, in the limited practice we saw, that is where we saw Dylan Raidens was at the right tackle position. And then finally, just you can maybe just put your... Uh, put your little. I will not back down from this nickname. The nasty the nut is the nickname for for uh, Julius Chestnut. I, we I've been calling him that to my friends. My friends and I have been calling him that since for two years now since he came to the Titans roster. I think it's a fantastic nickname. If you think it's gross or weird, get your head out of the gutter, you nasty, nasty person. It is an alliterative, descriptive nickname that rolls off the tongue. Look at the nasty nut rumble. Tell me that does not just just flow like honey off of the tongue and it's funny and and so i will not be deterred i think it's a hilarious nickname get over yourself if you, just don't be a hater being a hater is no fun like like if you don't like the nickname don't use it but don't be a hater man i think it's hilarious um all right some more notes from practice uh no sign of a couple of players today harold landry arden key jeffrey simmons Jaden pv trey avery kyle phillips mixed bag there um with arden key and kyle phillips we know that there's an injury situation there Guys like Landry, um, probably maybe some a maintenance day or just a veteran day, one of the two. Simmons, obviously a veteran day. Jaden Peavy and Trey Avery, I, no indication on my end in terms of um, thinking that they're not just getting a day off. We'll, we'll have to see. Maybe they're injured, but no indication on on my end. Um, we Like I've said before, we did see the two newest Titans from, from uh, foreign teams brought in in the past 48 hours. Travis Gibson from Chicago and Kendall Vildor, also from Chicago, the Titans one and only waiver claim that they they brought in a, a, a defensive back for the the Titans team that is right up right up Mike Vrabel's alley, a very physical, 
borderline grabby defensive back, um, a cornerback that is just crazy physical and can play, um, I think, some play some slot and also can play some linebacker if you need him to. Like, that's something that I think Mike Vrabel wanted, and that's why he brought him in. We'll talk some more about him in a bit. And then um, we saw a lot of one-on-one work for Gibson, Travis Gibson, the Titans' new pass rusher, with outside linebacker coach Ryan Crow and assistant offensive linebacker coach um, Gibson was wearing number 91 for reference. Now, uh, Nick Folk, I spoke to him in the locker room. He said he's been training this offseason for kickoffs. He's ready to do that when asked. So certainly something he's aware of. I think he's aware of that deficiency at the kickoff um, in the kickoff role and is working on that actively. He found out he said that he's been he would be moved from New England when coach Bill Belichick called him so that the Titans were interested. He spoke to Vrabel and they made it happen. Spoke to Cade York as well, the Titans practice squad kicker from Cleveland. Um, he, he said he was ready to get, get here, you know, get to work, get back on track. His attitude was pretty lowly, like kind of arguably like a little bit bummed and down. Like he seemed kind of sad, to be honest. Maybe he was just, you know, maybe that's the I don't know him yet. Maybe that's just the way he is all the time. And he's just kind of chill. But he seemed like a guy that was was kind of bummed to, you know, understandably so traded from the team you were drafted to. Um, knocked down a peg from a starting kicker to a practice squad kicker, like understandable there. But um, he, he said that he he's here to get to work. And he said that he thinks his struggles were more mental than physical last year. And this year he has not lost his confidence. He said he just has to find his rhythm again. So I think, I, I don't know, like I, I should ask him or other kickers. Like, do you go through phases where it's like, you know, if you're like, I, I'm a golfer. And there are times when I like uh, two weeks, I feel really hot. And then two weeks, I feel kind of cold. And it's like, there's a, there's an ebb and a flow to finding your rhythm in some of these things, especially a, a tempo activity like that. I wonder if that's the case for kicker, obviously the best of the best, like the best golfers in the world, th- their tempo is always very high, even when they're down um, with the best kickers, even with Justin Tucker's having a, a bad week stretch, he's still the best kicker in the world. So I think that that, that is something you factor in, but I wonder if that's the case for these guys. Um, Spoke to a couple of rookie wide receivers as well. The last couple of guys I wanted to mention, Kiaris Jackson, um, mentioned to him his, his Georgia teammates apparently went crazy, according to his former coach, Kirby Smart, who spoke to a reporter with The Athletic earlier this week, saying that he let his team know um, the day of that announcement before their practice out there in Athens, Georgia, that, hey, Kiaris had made the Titans 53-man roster, the active roster, not on the practice squad, on the real team. And he said they all went bonkers and Kiris lit up when we mentioned that said he, he loves the support he has from his teammates and his former coaches. And then Colton Dowell asked him about whether, whether he was called in to find out he was on the team or not. He said, no, he just found out on Twitter. He just never got a call before three, which he figured was a good thing. And then he found out on Twitter from, I'm guessing our Justin Mello um, that, Hey, Colton Dowell on the Titans 53 man roster. Um, he also said that he feels his ability on special teams lent a lot to him making the cut. All right. That's all the information I have for you today. Again, kind of a fact finding mission for me at Titans camp Threw that all out there to you. Hopefully that wasn't too much of a bore, but I think a lot of information that folks will find interesting. And now before we get out of here, JT, let's get to some news. This is the news with producer JT. Yeah, let's talk about these two new Titans acquisitions from waivers, both coming from Chicago. We'll start with uh, Travis Gibson, who um, a little, I don't want to, just the vibes on this one are a little weird out of Chicago, it feels like, but uh, Travis Gibson. Wait, ended there, you mean? Yeah, no, I'm with you. 
the the way it ended there. Right. Um, but Travis Gibson, he's 26, and he had a breakout season with the Bears in 2021, um, and that was recording seven sacks and five forced fumbles as an outside linebacker, and that was when Chicago was playing more of a 3-4 scheme that season. Um, but then last season, Gibson struggled um, as a defensive end when they moved to a 4-3 front under Matt Eberflus, um, finishing with just three sacks, so still got some production. However, um, Bears general manager on the cut said that he likes Gibson as a player, but admitted that his success came in a different scheme. So quite interesting, um, but obviously a great depth signing here for the Titans, um, especially in an already good uh, defensive front room. It just makes it even better. Your thoughts on the signing Easton? Yeah, it's. I mean, listen, the, the, we went from a Titans defense that really we felt had no depth in most positions to now the Titans defense where on, on the front, at least like this defensive front is really, really nasty. You've got three or four or five or six guys that you trust to be out there. Um, it, it kind of feels like you've got three different groups. Uh, you know, you've got your defensive tackle inside nose tackle guys in, in Jeffrey Simmons, tier tart, Jaden PV, Naquan Jones, um, your defensive ends and Danico Autry, Arden key, um, Rashad Weaver, all three of those guys, starting caliber players. And then your outside linebackers, you led by Harold Landry, but then you've got, you know, you've got Gibson now in the mix as well as rookie pass rush specialist, Caleb Murphy, all, I mean, at least nine of those 10 guys, really nasty starting caliber players in the eyes of many. And certainly the upside with many of them, I think is starting caliber players. So they are really deep on the defensive front. And I think really, really nasty. And it's going to be awesome to watch them this year. Yeah, and then we can move on to Kendall Vinder, uh, another guy that kind of went a little bit under the radar yesterday, but a depth signing in the secondary nonetheless. Vilder was drafted also by the Bears in the fifth round of the 2020 NFL Draft after playing college at Georgia Southern. Um, in three seasons now, Vilder has played in 44 career games in which he started half of those, and he's been credited with 67 tackles, one interception, 10 passes defended, and one sack. Your thoughts on this signing, Easton? Yeah, I mean, kind of random, if I'm being honest, but certainly a guy that, fit, like, you you look into him, he fits the bill for a Mike Vrabel defender, the DB that, that I think he probably has had his eye on for a little bit now. Obviously, he's a guy that they targeted to want, uh, you know, cut by the Bears. They wanted him on their active roster. Clearly, they see something in him. We'll see if he, uh, you know, develops into something for them. Yeah, and then finally, we had a big signing today, or at least a, a extension today for one man named T.J. Hawkinson Too with big, the Vikings. Um, Hawkinson is signing a four-year, sixty-eight point five million dollar contract extension that resets the tight end market. Um, the seventeen point one two five million annual salary and forty-two point five million guaranteed is the highest for a tight end in NFL history. Just for um, some context, TJ Hawkinson is now making 17.1 annually. Darren Waller is second with 17. George Kittle is third with 15 million. And then Travis Kelsey is fourth on the list for tight ends, making $14.3 million. Easton, your reaction to this? And then also, now that now that Hawkinson has set the market, what do you think Chig will set the market at? <laughs> $25 million APY, seven-year deal. Um, I don't know, man, like that, that's a pretty crazy <laughs> amount of money. Like I'm, I'm happy for him. I'm glad for the tight ends everywhere that the, their market continues to increase and they're getting paid. 
what they they feel that they're due. Running backs just once again pounding the table. Absolutely getting (laughs) screwed left and right. All of their teammates taking all of their potential money. Yeah, I mean it's it's a crazy contract. If he can produce the way that he did last year in in a you know a short amount of time with the team, if he's that you know second option, first you know not first but in front of Justin Jefferson, but but number one guy besides Jefferson in the passing game, and is also a, a key blocking element of their team. I don't see why not. He I don't see why he shouldn't be paid that. So we'll see if he can maintain that level of play. And that's going to be it for our news today. All right, that's it for the news, and that's it for our show today. Appreciate everybody tuning in with us live. Kind of an abbreviated one today, but we've got three shows lined up for you next week that I'm stoked about, two with guests to start the week, one of which is an awesome show concept that's going to be very fun, maybe very humorous. JT and I are going to spend a long time prepping for that one and getting ready for kind of an off-the-wall subject. Uh, it's it's along the lines of a prediction show. It's going to be a, a before the season starts. Just get our predictions out there, but a fun twist on that, so excited for that and for our guests and then on thursday we debut our live show series from boomba's pizza in spring hill uh appreciate our new sponsor boomba's for making this show possible and for um all of the fun we're going to have with them this season a couple of things for you go make sure you're you are subscribed on twitter make sure or on, on twitter on youtube and you're following us on twitter uh probably sports media on youtube that's the youtube page you need to be subscribed to to get these live videos as well as our um, just our posted YouTube videos, shorts, all of these things that we're going to be doing this season on social media, such as Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at Hot Read Pod. It's where you need to follow us to get all of the updates on the show and know when we go live. Like today, when we have to go live a couple of minutes early, then you'll know if you're subscribed or gosh, following the the uh, the Twitter account, the Hot Read Podcast Twitter account, which is at Hot Read Pod. Make sure that you are uh, following us on Apple podcasts, on Google play, on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, make sure you're subscribed there and leave a rating and a review for us. Very helpful on that front. And until Monday morning, when we'll be back, I hope you all enjoy your weekend, watch some college football, kick back, enjoy your last weekend without NFL football, because as soon as we get to Monday, week one is upon us until then for producer JT, I'm your host Easton freeze. This has been the hot read podcast. We'll talk to you then.